I want to carry on the theme, the thought of the Christmas message. Um, I had several attempts at giving my message today a title and I changed it several times and finally at the last minute so it's now just handwritten and the title is this Joseph the Dependable One Joseph the he wasn't the father of Jesus we will see that from the scriptures but he was perhaps the foster father he was God's appointed carer and behind him behind him the dependable one was an infinitely more dependable father God protecting his beloved son at his most vulnerable I'm going to read a lot from Scripture today because Scripture best tells the story. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. These are all readings from the NASB. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin again engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, as I said, we will look at this issue of Joseph and his relationship to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, we have the genealogy of Jesus. And we'll just read the last few entries to that genealogy. Eliod was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Now you notice how up until now it's the father of the father of the father of. Now it changes. Joseph the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Joseph was not the physical father of Jesus. We know that that was different altogether. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, we carry on the reading. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged in marriage to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, was unwilling to disgrace her publicly, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But after he had pondered these things, an angel of the Lord, now those words will appear again, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to embrace Mary as your wife, for the one conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus 
because he will save his people from their sins. And then in verses 24 and 25 of Matthew chapter 1, And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Isaiah 7.14 records that the virgin shall be with child. And this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. The scripture declared Joseph to be a righteous man. Matthew would have known Joseph. And as he wrote his gospel and recorded what the Spirit guided him to say about Joseph, he would have known it to be true. And also, although Luke did not know Joseph personally, probably, he sought others who did and he researched and he made sure that what he recorded was correct. And so everything that's recorded about Joseph is consistent with this, that he was a righteous man. And he chose Mary to be his wife, but he did not sleep with her. But he did discover that she was pregnant and that must have been a real shock to him. And he was really puzzled about this. But he decided that he would not disgrace her. He would actually send her away quietly. Now in Deuteronomy, that was something that was common at that time. In Deuteronomy chapter 24 and 1, it was recorded, <coughs> excuse me, when a man takes a wife and marries her and it happens that she finds no favour in his eyes before he, because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends it out from his house. This had degenerated in the Jewish culture of the day to the point where if anything upset the man, the woman was gone. But this was not so with Joseph. He really pondered carefully these things. And if we read in Matthew chapter 19, when the Pharisees came to Jesus with this very same scripture, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 to 9. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore 
what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Then they said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? They were looking for confirmation. They were looking for something to justify what they did. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Joseph permitted, jo Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now we know from the scriptures that Mary was pregnant through the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit. So there was no immorality. There was no justification in sending her away. And the spirit, the the angel told Joseph to keep Mary as his own. And he heeded the angel's message. And he kept Mary a virgin. And the scripture, I find this remarkable. This young man kept her a virgin right through until the child was born. He could quite easily have taken another course. But he, as a righteous man, and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he kept her a virgin right through until the child was born. Now the scripture tells us in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 where this child is to be born. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler of Israel. His going forth, his goings forth are from of old. So the Messiah, the promised one, is to be born in Bethlehem. But the scripture tells us that they were in Nazareth. And it's 150, 115 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we have a heavily pregnant young woman. How is she going to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that the scripture gives? There's a remarkable remarkable intervention. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census to be taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family of David, in order to 
register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. Not only did God intervene, not only did God bring about this fulfilment of scripture, but he used the ruler of the then known world to do it. And the scripture tells us that it was not only was it a census, but it was the first one. It was the first one he decided to have. And that census was the motivation for Joseph to take Mary to Bethlehem. With God, all things are possible. He is restricted by nothing. Now we have the baby Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. And we have two groups that visit him, although there's, with, in the case of the second group, it may actually not have been in the manger, but at a residence. But anyway, first was the shepherds, and that's recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. We won't read those scriptures, but they're familiar to you. There were shepherds watching their flocks by night, we're told. And they were, they encountered a group of angels with a message of good news and great joy of one that was going to be born, a saviour that was going to be born in Bethlehem. And although it was, an, although it was angels who brought the message to them, Verse 15 tells us that the shepherds received the news knowing it came from the Lord himself and they were keen to go and view this wonderful thing that had happened, to see this baby that had been born. Now, in his very extensive work, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, Alfred Edersheim records this. These shepherds were not just any shepherds. And their flocks were not just any flocks. This was close to Jerusalem. This was not far from the temple. And these flocks were the sacrificial flocks intended for the temple sacrifices. And these shepherds were very carefully watching these flocks to keep them pure, to keep them free from harm, to keep them free from any damage that might occur. And so these shepherds go to see this one that's born. And what we have is we have the shepherds who were caring for the sacrificial lambs to go and view the Lamb of God. And they were the first to see the Lamb of God. 
The second group were the wise men. They recorded in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. We've, once again, we're familiar with the story. They were guided by a star <coughs> that guided them from the east to the west. Now, there's been lots of speculation about this star as to what it was, whether it was an alignment of, of heavenly bodies or just what it was. <coughs> Moving from east to west, that's quite feasible. That's quite reasonable for that to happen. But guided them to Jerusalem. And when they got to Jerusalem, they did the logical thing. They went and, and searched out the king. And they asked him, where was this one who's to be born king of the Jews? Where, where's, where is he to be born? And Herod um, in, inquired of the Jewish leaders and they said in Bethlehem. Now Herod had probably one of the most bloodthirsty reigns that there's ever been. And he made sure that if there, if there was any competition to his to his reign, any threat to his reign, even amongst his own family, he made sure that he eradicated that threat. And so his desire was to do exactly the same here. And when the wise men did not return, Herod was very angry. Now, as I was saying about the star, it has arrived in Jerusalem but now they're guided to Bethlehem, which is due south of Jerusalem. Now, we see the sun rise in the east and set in the west. We don't see it rise in the north and set in the south. So whatever this celestial body was, it was something specifically provided by God to guide these men to the place that he wanted them to go. And it says in the scriptures that not only did it guide them, it stood over the place where the baby was born. So we carry on with our readings in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they, that is the wise men, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord, here's those words again, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Matthew 2.15 he, he, that's Joseph, remained there in Egypt until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. That's rec recorded in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Then carrying on reading from verse 19 to 23. But when Herod died, behold an angel of the Lord. Here we have it again for the third time. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life 
are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But he returned to Bethlehem. Verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 2. But when he, Joseph, heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So we find that Joseph was not only a righteous man, he was also an obedient man. I find it remarkable. I've done, tried to do a bit of a study on who had angelic visitations and I haven't found anybody who had three. You could perhaps set Moses aside because his was different altogether but in the normal course of the scriptures I don't find anyone who had three visitations. And finally... He had a warning from God himself. As I said at the beginning, God was watching over his beloved son at the most vulnerable time in his development as a man. And God was particularly concerned to make sure that of how things went. And he (coughs) guided Joseph by angelic visitations and by a warning in a dream from himself. Joseph was warned and guided and directed in the way that he should go. And Joseph followed. (coughs) Mary had one visitation. Hers was face to face from Gabriel himself. But Joseph followed every instruction to the letter. And he embarked on the travel that totaled over a thousand kilometres. The distance from Wellington to Cape Reinga by road is just over a thousand kilometres. And this young man, with his heavily pregnant wife, who became a nursing mother, travelled by foot and by donkey for over a thousand kilometres. From Nazareth to Bethlehem and returned 230 kilometres. From Bethlehem to Egypt and return, over 800 kilometres. But once again, just to reiterate that God was involved in all of this, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. As our God was with Jacob, with Joseph, as our God was with Joseph, so he will be with every one of us. We can rely upon him. So what does... So what does this mean? What do we draw from this example of Joseph? First of all, a quote from Albert Barnes. God has so ordered it that Mary was betrothed to a man mild, amiable and tender. And in due time, Joseph was informed of the truth of the case and took his faithful and beloved wife to his bosom. Thus, our only aim should be to preserve a conscience void of offence. And God will guard our reputation. We may be assailed by slander. Circumstances may be against us. But in due time, God will take care to vindicate our character and save us from ruin. So finally, finally, as Joseph did, when God speaks, we must listen and obey. We may not understand. Often we won't understand but we must remain faithful. And that faithfulness will be rewarded in his time. Not in ours, but in his. And perhaps we will have to wait, but he will give us grace to wait. Joseph was led one step at a time. That's the way God leads, one step at a time. And so will we be led one step at a time. Each time we're faithful, the next step happens. Faithful again and the next step happens. Prove unfaithful and the guidance stops. Follow him. Be faithful to him. There is no greater joy I can say personally from my own experience, there is no greater joy than to be found faithful in the measure that we're faithful to our Saviour. Just praise his name for his faithfulness. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the example of Joseph. We thank you, Lord, for the example of your care for your beloved son at this most critical time in his development as a man. As you guided and directed him, so you will guide and direct us, Lord. If only we will open our hearts to you and commit our way to you and seek your guidance. Guide us and bless us, Lord, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.